Oh, here we are. Thanks for all the vocals and the singing. Prepare for next week because it has to be even more because that's our Christmas service. And so uh, be ramped up for that all week. Be praying for it because we want it to be even more powerful. I thought that was powerful this morning, but I think we have some more left in us. But we had to wind up on that last song. That had to be the last one because I think we were done at that time. And the Lord said, okay. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't start off with that one, right? <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. There was a guy by the name of Gamaliel, and there was another one by the name of Tabai. And Tabai was his servant. Gamaliel said to his servant, Hey, listen, I want you to go out and buy me some food, and it has to be good. So get me some good food in the market. And so Tabai went to the market and he bought some really good food. It was tongue. And it was good. He said to him, um, thank you for that. That's great. This is good. He says, now what I want you to do is go out to the market and buy me some bad food. And he said, okay. So he went to the market. You'll never guess what he bought. He bought tongue. You probably know the story, don't you? And so the uh, Gamaliel said, what is this? I thought you already brought me this. When I told you to go get food and that it would be good, you brought me tongue. And then I told you to go out and get some food that was bad. Get me some bad food and you brought me tongue. And of course the servant says, good comes from it and bad comes from it. When the tongue is good, there's nothing better. When the tongue is bad, there is nothing worse. <laughs> and so I think we would probably all agree with that. When the tongue is good and whenever it's praising God and doing what it's supposed to do, there is nothing better, is there? And when the tongue is doing other things and when it's bad, there is nothing worse than that. Part of our problem is that we fail to see sometimes the tongue's propensity for evil. I mean, it can be evil. And James actually uh, is proving that through uh, truisms and then illustrations. And last week we looked at all the amazing, enormous possibilities of the tongue. And you can even take that positively. And so we say last week was positive if we can do that. Uh, if it's rightly harnessed, if you harness the tongue, you know, like the, the bits in the horse's mouth, that kind of thing. But now what he wants to do is uh, he's seeking to kind of put on display or expose the wicked potential of the tongue. And you can say, well, why does he do this to us? Well, it shows us that we need God's grace for each moment of the day. Matter of fact, each second, because you never know what might pop out of our mouths, right? Um, there's probably no more subject that, that's more uh, uncomfortable than the subject of the tongue. It can make us un uncomfortable. And uh, you know why? Because every aspect of our lives revolve around the tongue in one way or another. Uh, for one thing, we actually do business with our tongues. 
we build relationships with our tongue. And what we've just done this morning is express our praise to a holy God who is worthy of this praise. And so we use the tongue there. That's, those are good things, and the potential for good is definitely there. But the potential for bad is always there, too, because the power of that tongue can deceive. It can tear down relationships. It can ruin the reputation of other people. Well, that's pretty bad stuff, isn't it? So the good and the bad, and it's also ugly, I guess, too. But uh, One of your favorite movies, right, Johnny? No. <laughs> Back to the Westerns. James has written in chapter 1, let's go back to the trials. Remember the trials? And we are to endure trials. Okay, We must endure them. He tells us to endure. We will go through them. We will have them, but we must endure them. And then he says to receive the word. Receive it gladly, right? Receive it and then obey it. He says, okay, you have received it. It was supernatural. It was sovereign that he gave to you. But yet you must what? You must do it. You must obey it. Um, James has also said that you must produce good works. We see that the Bible tells us that God produces the good works in us. But we are to work them out. And so we produce the good works. We do that. We have a new heart, though. We have a new behavior, don't we? Right? We are new people. We are new creatures in Christ. So therefore, we should have a new speech. Right? We should be thinking uh, along that way. We have a transformation. The new man in Christ, that's what he does. True believers already have a sanctified tongue. You ever thought of that? A sanctified tongue. We do. Uh, and you can say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait if we have that, then why does James here tell us to do these things? All right? Why does he? Well, one aspect is that there is a sovereign reality. The sovereign grace of God puts us into this position, and that's the position. But there's then the practice or the human responsibility of us now doing that, what we are. James is pushing this all the way through his whole book. If you haven't noticed that by now, that's what he's doing, right? And whether it be through enduring trials, whether it be receiving the Word and obeying it, whether it's doing good works, uh, practicing uh, things for people who are needy, those kind of things. Um, a mature believer, if he's walking in Christ, if he's filled with the Holy Spirit, it is humanly possible to control the tongue. He wouldn't tell us to do something if we can't do it. And He's made us, He's made it possible for us to, to do that. The tongue has to have a tremendous control, though, uh, over it. The human flesh, and that's all of us what we deal with, we do battle with that tongue, don't we? We know we battle with sin. Well, here's our, our biggest problem. If you control the tongue, you control all the rest. You'd be amazed because all of a sudden the attitudes change. And uh, you, you're, you, you think differently. Uh, this is called discipline in doing this. But it will cover all areas in, in our lives. Uh, matter of fact, of all the parts, all the members of our body, the tongue is the most destructive. It is the leader in sinning. Our tongue is the leader in, in our sin that we do. It has a fearful, fearful potency. 
for damage and destruction. Matter of fact, James in this passage gets as illustrative as he possibly can because he says it's set on fire by hell. Wow. And that's our title today. Let's stand. Let's read that word there in James chapter 3. Um, verse 5, and this is where we left off last week, where we were in this first half. The second half is where we're going to pick up. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire! Exclamation point. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. Father, thank you for instructing us through the book of James. It's rather humbling. For we all see our sin. We're looking in a mirror. A mirror of the Word of God. It reflects back and we see the dangers of sin, and then this aspect of the tongue, which is the leader of the sins, because it really shows what our heart is. Lord, help us to tame it. And it's only you that can do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, James is the half-brother of our Lord. And uh, sometimes James is gentle as he calls... Readers, my brethren, and then he lowers the hammer. And he really gets graphic in this section, if you'll notice. Set on fire by hell. And then the illustrations that he uses just jumps out, doesn't it? The great pictures that he uses. So, um, the first, we have two parts here today. The first one is humanly untamable source of evil. The tongue is untamable. No human can tame it. It's evil. So James takes this truism, this truth that he's had, that he's been teaching, and we looked at it last week, and now he draws a picture. He, he gives us an illustration. He says, okay, look at this. And he's done that. Have you noticed that in all throughout his epistle? He keeps drawing us pictures graphically that the people would understand. And it's very basic, but yet it's, I think it's very profound. As he draws these illustrations, you go, oh, wow, is that, is that how serious this is? Uh, so he uses a forest fire here. In our part one, he uses a forest fire. 
And then the next time, next illustration will be animal life. A forest fire. A picture of a forest fire. Out in California, we've heard it all through the summertime, and it's been raging and burning up things. And of course, in Colorado, you hear how dry it is when they have their fires. It can start in a split second. It gets so dry, and it just a spark. And then it builds up, and within a short amount of time, it can start destroying the trees, more trees and more and more trees, the whole forest, and get into even places where people live into their houses and destroys that. It can destroy cities. The potency for destruction of a kind of a fire like that. So he he mentions um, here, see how great a forest is set aflame. This this picture you you can imagine. Uh, it's it can be a massive pile of of wood or fields of brush, uh, shrubs really dry, all the way to gigantic forests that just burn up. And I think up in Washington there were certain areas that forests were being burned up, right? We've been hearing about that and we see the destruction that happens and it starts from a small spark and sets a whole forest ablaze. Um, I'm sure all of you who've ever burn anything up outside when there's been wind and it catches some grass and all of a sudden starts going, you know, really start to be really quick. You get over there real quick and start stomping it out because you know this thing could take the whole yard and go into the next next yard and who knows what could happen. Um, I've seen fields just take off and, and within no time just burn that field and it's hard to put out. So he, he uses a small fire here. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. Uh, a small fire multiplies. So that's that's the little topic at the moment we'll look at. Fire is really fascinating. And it can be a good thing. And boy, it can be a bad thing. Disastrous. You can take one little tiny flame, set a whole city uh, burning. And in Chicago, back in the 1800s, that happened. I mean, it, it just it took like much of the city down to the ground. Fire has an amazing capacity to multiply in a moment. But it's interesting. Water cannot multiply in in itself. I mean, if you take a cup of water and you pour it out, it's not going to become a raging flood, is it? It's going to be that cup of water. But fire is different than that. Just that one spark, and man, it can set ablaze uh, more than we can even imagine. If you have a match, you can light a forest fire. That's what it comes down to. You could you can burn up a whole city. I think Nero did that, didn't he? <laughs> In Rome. Uh, multiplying. Let's look at Psalm 83, verse 14. So this is talking about our tongue, what it can do. If it does something bad, it can multiply. If it does something good, it can multiply too. Hey, that's a good thing, isn't it? Psalm 83, verse 14. Like fire that burns the forest and like a flame that sets the mountains on fire. All the mountains all with the trees up there. Sets it on fire. Um, let's look at Proverbs 16.27. And James so often borrows from Proverbs in his writing. He, he borrowed a lot from Jesus and he borrows from the Proverbs. Same kind of thought. I think he knew Proverbs uh, backwards and forwards. 
Of course, he spoke Hebrew. Of course, he knew it backwards. They read everything backwards, right? <laughs> a worthless man digs up evil while his words are like what? Scorching fire. Well, that's a word picture, isn't it? A scorching fire. That's, that's what can happen. What a multiply that can happen. So we get that um, small fire. How about that word aflame? This is vivid imagery. James is just making it appear before us. You can almost see this. The brush of a Palestine fire. A small spark just flying off of a fire. Maybe in a cold evening. And it touches the dry ground. Dry season. It sets ablaze. It's it's that word there. To set a flame. A flame. A kindle. It means to kindle. To set a flame. The flames of the tongue... They're fanned by sometimes whenever uh, we have ears and we hear gossip and we can fan that flame by being interested in it, innuendos, slander, all those kind of things that, that happen in whatever people are speaking. And once it's let loose, the words are out there and you can't recapture those words. Once they have gone out, they're out there. They're out in space. Matter of fact, it's interesting today, much of the people do most of their talking where? On their phones, on Facebook, on Twitter. And we all know the damage that can be done. Once it's there, it's there forever. It can be taken away. I think it would be a good warning. Watch what you say when you put something on the Internet. If it's a little bit racy or something questionable, be really careful. Don't put that out there for everybody to see because they will take note. Somebody that knows you're a Christian, if you said something or made something look uh, like like you're not, uh, it may not be anything that you haven't intended at all, but, but, but be careful. Be careful because let me tell you, everybody can see that. I think it's more damaging than just speaking it to one person because mm-hmm. this goes out to people you don't even know sometimes. Uh, I say you. Uh, I mean, I, I have to take this to my own self. You know? Can't do that, can I? But, uh, you know, I'm saying I think this James passage, boy, if James uh, was writing today, can you imagine the imagery that he would do here with, with what can be done with it? I mean, talking about multiplying, can multiply even more than ever did before. And it has the potential to wreck someone's reputation or destroy a business or break up a family. The uncontrollable character of the tongue is is amazing what it can do. Uh, Kindle, uh, a flame, means to burn up. So, gossip, slander, contention. What it does, it devastates. Can't be stopped. That's the thing. It's a powerful source. And so it taints every part of our being. So if we don't use our tongue with caution or our, uh, these days, our thumbs, <laughs> I guess really we could, we could say the tongue and the thumbs. We can be spiritual arsonists. You ever thought of that? Uh a careless fire that causes widespread destruction. Let's look at Psalm 57, verse 4. These are just warnings to us, just to keep alert with what damage we could do and not even be thinking that uh, He can do that. Psalm 57, 4, My soul is among lions. I must lie among those who breathe forth fire. 
Then he compares it. Even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. There, it's spears, arrows, a sword. It's a fire. We live amongst a people that have tongues of fire. Lifestyles that are out there. That's what Isaiah was talking about, but he, he knew how people spoke too. Job 19, Job is just before Psalms. Uh, 19, verse 2. How long will you torment me and crush me with words? This is Job. He felt absolutely insulted. How long are you going to torment me and crush me with words? Would you speak? Crush me. That's, That's devastation. Okay, the next one here in James here. Um... We go into verse 6. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire right then to five. Now 6. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. Boy, that's graphic. That's pictorial. It's a world of iniquity. A world of iniquity. The word there is cosmos. Cosmos means what? System. The evil system that's in this. Uh, present time that we live and walk in, the the culture, society, if it's not based on Christian things, it's the fallen, rebellious, sinful world system in the context here. And so that's why he uses the word world, world of iniquity. It's bent on rebellion. It's a potential in the tongue for all manner of human corruption to be spewed forth. And John Calvin says it's a slender portion of flesh and it contains the whole world of iniquity. How slender, how small it is and it contains the whole world of iniquity. Uh, Iniquish system. Unrighteous, hostile, rebellious order. That's what humanness is. Oh, the potential to fall short of God's glory, right? And he uses the word iniquity there. It, It just inflames all of our capacities and bringing the whole uh, person into this wicked system. How much that we can pick up in our speaking from what we have learned from the world that's hitting us. Are we learning from the world or are we learning from the Word of God? One of the two. The world is really doing a lot of teaching out there. They're doing more teaching than ever before. We have more uh, capacity to get in touch with the world than ever in the history of mankind ever. And it's teaching things. It's a vile, wretched, wicked system. James knew exactly what that was when he said the very world of iniquity as he pins this down. Uh, it's a, the world is a network. That's up to date, isn't it? It's a network that just breeds evil. It just breeds it. Can You know all the corruption that's coming out of it. There's a lot of good things coming out of the world wide web. <laughs> www, right? Anybody ever use that anymore? But you know what? There's a lot of great things that we can use that as a good instrument. And then there are a lot of evil. I think there's more evil on there than there is good. But am I saying, hey, give it up? No. We can use that for good. I certainly do. 
I get a lot of my information off of that so I can share it with you guys. <laughs> and I sure don't want to be bringing something in here that would be a bad tongue, right? So it's a system of evil. Uh, it defiles the whole body. It's like a smoke from a fire. You ever seen a house that had a fire, but it was put out, and the firemen came, and they put all the water on it and everything, and you drive by there and say, huh, I didn't know they had a fire. And, you know, people are cleaning things out of it, and, you know, you can see, like, um, um, walls being taken out, <laughs> and uh, almost the whole house is gutted. You say, wow, it sure looks good to me. But if you were to go into that house, you would have uh, a smell that would stick in your mind. Matter of fact, it's there. It's almost there for good from what I understand, unless uh, everything is gutted and they kind of start over. Uh, if it, had anything, it just stains everything that, does, that doesn't burn. It just stains it all. It defiles the whole body, he says. James says the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body. The tongue defiles everything, every part of the rest of us. It's a constant staining. It's like the snail that leaves a trail wherever it goes. It travels. The tongue just kind of rubs its defiling stains across the whole of one's life. The course of life, the entire body sets on fire. The course of our life, everywhere we go, it's the whole person. It says it defiles the whole body, the whole person. Look in Mark 7, verse 20 through 23. I believe we have Jesus speaking here. Imagine that. Did he have something to teach about this kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. 7, verse 20. And he was saying, That which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts. Now the thoughts that start here now are being voiced out. Fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. Right out of Jesus' mouth, He has said all of these things. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. File our whole person. All these evil things. So, and it just expands. It's like a spark. Lights a bigger fire. It not only defiles us, but it sets on fire the course of our life. From here on out, it sets this trail. If you have a careless life, it can damage your entire life. The course of our life. The circle of our life. You, you get that? It's, it's the whole path, the trail. The character of the tongue is absolutely unrelenting. It wants to destroy us until it's struck with the power of the crucifixion. Jesus' death conquers that power of that course of life. If we would not have been saved by Christ's sacrifice on the cross, the course of our life would have headed us right on into hell. Do you know that? That's where we were headed. Now, you might have been saved early in age. Well, praise the Lord that you were because you don't have that many years ago. Many of us were saved later on in life, midlife, and some may even feel like it was later life. 
But the thing is, is that the course of our life had already, it was printed down, and, and then all of a sudden, of course, Christ changes that. Uh, boy, but it does destroy a life, doesn't it? And so James has been expanding on this, and now he takes it to its hilt. He says, okay, you don't get that? <laughs> I said, okay, you get that? Check this out. It sets on fire the course of our life, right? We got that. And is set on fire by hell. What's the source of an evil tongue? Where does the tongue get its influence? Where? Why would people have no shame, no regret today? People have no shame over some of the most awful, wicked things that are going on. No shame. Well, James tells us that hell is at work. <laughs> the power of the adversary of our souls. We have an adversary that just hates our new soul, our, our new being. That's what I mean there. He fans the flames of the tongue. Something that we're already interested in, that our, our flesh just loves to do or just does it, you know. And we know it's sin, but we go ahead and do it. Well, hell comes in and just stirs it up. You see, we still are in this flesh, so we still have the propensity to sin, and in comes the enemy to start working. See, that that human flesh is still there. We remember some of Why are we doing the things we do? I know I'm not supposed to do it. Now we're into Romans 7, aren't we? Hell is Gehenna there at the end of verse 6. It's Gehenna. That would have been a very graphic term to them as he's illustrating this, as he's saying, it's coming from hell. And that's what we think of when we hear hell. But to um, Aramaic thought, the Valley of Hinna, Valley of Hinnom, uh, right there at Jerusalem, just outside the city, uh, the garbage was all put there. It was burned outside of Jerusalem and it never went out. That just kept on going and going and going. And it was it was constant. It uh, actually resembles the eternal aspect of hell. It's a good picture of hell, that garbage dump. But just a history before that, that Valley of Hinnom, uh, it, the Jewish people would know him very well especially in the Old Testament time, there were worshipers of Molech. And they would bring their children. We're talking about the Jewish people who knew better, who knew about idolatry. And they would bring their children to sacrifice their children in the fire. And then they would throw their bodies into the Valley of Hinnom where there was an eternal fire going on there. That was that, you know, people had started, but... Um, if you turn to Jeremiah 33:35, Jeremiah is speaking prophecies against Israel, and this is some of the things they adapted from the course of the world. They had adopted many things out there in the world they thought was cool. It wasn't cool before, but all of a sudden it's cool now because that is the uh, political correctness. It was politically correct to go sacrifice your children. Ooh, it reminds me of something that we do today called abortion. Oh my, we're just as evil and wicked as the children of Israel were doing. Uh, Of course, when I say we, we don't stand for abortion, but 
my, this is the nation that we're in. And um, anyway, I I think I jotted down a, a wrong verse. Um, okay, thank you. Thank you very much. They built the high places of Baal that are in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire to Molech, which I had not commanded them, nor had it entered my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. Jeremiah, in the context here, was praying. And then God explained. Plains about all the judgment and such. That's how serious things are to be taken, what's happening in our world. And you can hear these people flap their tongue about, about their own right of their own body and they can do whatever they want with it. Mm-hmm. And I think there was another demonstration this week uh, dealing with abortionists. I think, you know, the kind of interesting what's happening in Colombia, Planned Parenthood, and uh, legally they're not supposed to be operating, and there you have people standing up for it, and it's been proven what they have been doing and and, uh, not doing what's right. So it's a place to burn trash. It was a place that where they uh, at one time had burned babies, children, and Jesus uses this word, that's uh, James uses hell here 11 times. Jesus spoke about hell a lot. It was a place of eternal torment, which uh, Jesus spoke about. And James is saying, you know, the evil tongue is set on fire by Satan himself. Uh, Christians will shrink back, uh, obviously, from same-sex marriage, homosexuality, molesting children, murder. We could say, hey, that's satanically inspired and, and, and depraved. Yet, we can tolerate gossip and slander and deceit and half-truths and sarcasm, put-downs and other sins like that, and that's okay, right? No, no, they're not. We see where they have their origin. So the next time we start thinking evil about somebody who is our enemy, Jesus says to what? Love our enemies. Uh, What is it that we're supposed to do? We are to love our enemies. Yeah, we are to pray for them. We should uh, desire that they would know the Lord. The very origin of anything that we have spoken against somebody really comes from the pit of hell. That's what James says. Um, He used the illustration of the small fire. What was his second illustration? Animal life. This is kind of a different twist here. Every species of beast and birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea, you know, land, sea, air, They've all been tamed by the human race, for the most part. I mean, you know, we have it under control. I mean, they don't—they don't overtake 
cities and people have to move out, although you hear some, you know, some random animal, a lion or so, a cougar or something coming into, not a lion, I don't think, but bears, actually coming into New York City sometimes. <laughs> but um, that's not the norm. Uh, and, 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 you know, you go to a circus and you see animals that are tamed to a sense. I mean, they have lions there. You can't fully tame them, though. You don't have them as, as pets, although I think some of those guys probably think that can happen. They stick their heads in there and do that for years, and all of a sudden one day, you know, yeah, uh, that can happen. Um, but um, animals can be tamed. At least there's some kind of control there. Yeah, aquarium, circus. We, you know, have you ever witnessed whales jumping over ropes on command? You ever seen that? Smaller whales. How about snakes being charmed by a flute? Lions cooperating with the tamer. They can be tamed. So he uses that thing. But then we have this thing that seems so innocent. (laughs) And you can't tame it. I can't tame it. Nobody can tame this tongue. Well, fine, Dennis. Then what are we doing? Why are we even talking about this? We can't tame it. Only God can tame it. Only God and Him alone can tame it. So that really ought to be able to help us understand why an unbeliever would be saying some of the things they do to us. And say, oh, you know what? James says that they really can't... To a degree they can, right? I mean, they should be. But ultimately they can't control themselves fully, can they? Christians can. It says in uh, Psalm 141, verse 3, don't be surprised when unbelievers say some of the things they do. I understand. I understand what they're doing. Psalm 141, 3. Here's what a Christian should say along with um, David here. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Lord, keep me from saying something that would not honor you. You know, put put the you know guard that for me. That's because only God can tame that what we say. If we've been in 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 the Word, if we've been filled with God's Spirit, we've been with God's people. You know, we've had a good worship today, or we you know it's happening at home privately and everything. If you're filled with the Spirit, you know what? You will respond correctly. You will say right things. But the moment you're not walking in the Spirit, now you have uh, the availability to use the tongue in a way that a Christian would not be, should be doing. Um, And so we go back to how bad the tongue is, and we go to verse 9. Oh, wait, we're in verse 8. But no one can tame the tongue. He stated that, right? And then he says this, it's a restless evil. It's a restless evil. Okay, picture a wild horse in its pen. Um, a wild bull in its pen, right? How about it? It's this bronco that's in there. It's awaiting its rider. And once it gets the rider on there, what does it do? It just bucks like crazy to try to get him off. He's restless. He's in there. He's like a bull. You know, there's bulls snorting in these pens. They're, they're kicking and... Or the horses, they're arching their back and kicking and flaying its head. It's restless. 
It's restless. It's awaiting the chance to break out of that pen and go crazy, right? We have a tongue that just awaits the chance. It can't wait to get behind, out of that cage that it's in, and then after that, it has these two rows of teeth, a doorway of fastened lips, and that tongue can't wait to get out and start speaking. Things that would be wrong. It's like a caged animal, isn't it? It springs forth from the very first glimpse that it has now of freedom. It can start galloping and going wild. Nothing can stand in its way. That's what James is saying here when he says it's a restless evil tongue. It's the leader of all the members of your body uh, and sin. Uh, says, <clears throat> next one, and, and he gives us these pictures. Just jump out at you. What, it's, what is that tongue full of? Deadly poison. He just doesn't say poison. Deadly poison. James. Can you imagine? I would have to wonder if this guy was an artist. And he couldn't put pictures in with the scripture at the scrolls, so he just tried to describe it as what the way that he saw it. Holy Spirit's inspiring. Deadly here means death-bearing. Um, somebody used this, uh, Kent Hughes, in his commentary. It says, your tongue contains, you get this, verbal cyanide. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I think it's good, too. That's really graphic. Verbal cyanide. Poison. Death-dealing venom. Like a snake's tongue. A poisonous snake has this tongue that blows out venom. I can think of Romans 3.13 where Romans shows how sinful mankind is. He just rips you apart. You know what? Paul does in Romans 3 what James is doing in his book. (laughs) He's showing the nature of man. And it's showing why we do the things we do. And, and when we say it, when we're saying tongue and speaking, that's our speech. But we know it represents our whole body. It represents what we once were. We're not this anymore, so don't do it anymore, right? Well, Romans 3, I think I have it here, verse 13. Their throat is an open grave. Throat. With their tongues, they keep deceiving. And here we go. The poison of asps, snakes, is under their lips. That is the nature of man. That's the nature of someone who is not righteous, who doesn't understand, who doesn't seek for God, who has turned aside, who is useless. They don't do good. Not even one. All of mankind before Christ. Poisonous. Poisonous. Like a snake's tongue. There's part one. Part two. We only have two parts today. Part two is a lot quicker than part one. Part one was three and a half pages and part two is one and a half pages. Does that help? Okay. Uh, James now, he's, he's, he keeps using his illustrations. Now, he, he makes a statement. 
Here's a, here's a truth, a truism. Okay, with it, we bless our Lord and Father. With it, we praise God. It's the best thing that a human being can possibly do. What is it? To worship God. To praise Him. To use your lips. You, uh, Matter of fact, you, you did it this morning in singing, in praying, in reading congregational responses, speaking to each other. You have actually probably been praising God all morning long. But tomorrow's Monday. <laughs> We're not going to be here. We're going to be at work or someplace that uh, maybe is not, well, it's not like this. <laughs> it's easy here, right? But he says, we can bless our Lord and Father. What a, you know, that's a, the best thing. And then he gives the other side and with it we curse men. Okay, bless God. The most wonderful function of the tongue is when you praise God. You are at your ultimate best when you're praising God. When you're singing praises to God. When you're thinking on these things. Maybe you're by yourself. You don't want to be caught singing alone or talking to yourself or God. I mean. But it's interesting. Um, I think James could be thinking here of actors. He doesn't say it here, but um, in the Greek theater, oftentimes actors would play one part and then they would play a part that would be almost contradictive, uh, maybe even exactly the opposite. They'd play two parts, contrasting. So in one scene... You might have one who is perfectly calm, has uh, the ability to, to do that. But on another side, the other one is showing the exact opposite and showing a depraved self. And, you know, in this sense, that is one that would be called a hypocrite, right? And, of course, the, the Greek word is hupokrites. And that's what an actor was known as, that he could play two parts. Maybe he could play an evil character. Maybe he's actually a good person. He's only playing one part. But this is what he is in his real life. But over here he's playing the evil one. Or vice versa. You have somebody that's bad that's playing a good part. Um, Anyway, Hupo Trites. We can praise the Lord in church and sitting in our seats. People can be singing hymns and singing all the great songs and then later on that day say some evil things about another person. And then James says, everybody is made in the likeness of God or the image of God. And you say, yeah, but we know how wicked and evil they are. But you know what? Or they can be somebody that would be made fun of. They're not like other people. They might have some kind of physical uh, incapacities, uh, mental problems maybe. And we know kids can be really evil. You know, when they're in school and boy, they make fun of others. And, you know, they all get together and they start, you know, um, really uh, bullying 
this one kid or other kids. We, we know about that, don't we? Um, the, the thing is, is that that one kid, no matter what he is or who he is or that person, they're still made in the likeness of God. And we're taught in school, but that's what you're supposed to know. Parents might teach differently, but you have a lot more hours at school than you do at home. So you start doing the things that other kids do, and you join in with the crowd. You ordinarily wouldn't have made fun of that kid one-on-one, but with other kids you can do that. And that goes with everything else that we can pick up off what the world is doing. That's called the political correctness. Or it's going along with the peer pressure that other kids or other adults put us into, and now we are following a rebellious way. Uh, How inconsistent can it be for a Christian to treat somebody that is actually made in the image of God, to treat them in a way that is not Christian-like? Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. I don't care what they did to you. I don't care what they said to you. You never, ever, ever have the right to say anything evil to them. So, well, I can sure think about it. (laughs) Remember what Jesus said about in the heart. No, you don't have that option to have a bad attitude. You know what? You never, I never, we never. This is hard to say because I don't practice this. I ought to practice it better. The moment that I have a bad attitude, I am sinning. You have a bad attitude, then you know where it's going to eventually come out? You're going to voice it. Say, well, just don't mess with me today. (laughs) Why? Because I don't feel like being messed with. Uh... We can take and invoke curses on people. Uh, John Wesley wrote that there is an inedible, indelible nobleness which we ought to reverence in ourselves and others. Respecting that life, no matter how much what that life is, the life was still made in the likeness of God. That's sobering. Even people that uh, we, it's really hard to respect the offices that they even have. I don't, I mean, I respect the office, but I do not respect what they're standing for. I don't have to do that. I have to stand for righteousness sake. Obey God rather than men when it comes to, if if it's going against what God says. But at the same time, we still can't tear apart someone's character. That's That's a difficult challenge, isn't it? And the time that we live in, and, he's, and we have to go back to this verse, and it says they're made in the likeness of God. They, God said, I didn't make them. <laughs> That's, they, they're on their own. You know, the, the devil made him. <laughs> no, God made everybody. Boy, that really, that hits, hits it right in the head, doesn't it? And that's what James, James uses the old one. He says, hey, they're made in the likeness of God. Now, James uses some more illustrations. Ready? Verse 10. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. We kind of covered that, right? My brethren, brethren. He begs them almost like, brothers, sisters. These things ought not to be this way. It's 
Out of one mouth is coming praise and over here is coming cursing. That can't be. If you're a Christian, how can you have both of those coming out, right? He's been saying, if you're a Christian, you have works. You have good works. How can this be? So he says, this is contrary to nature. Now he uses, he uses nature here. He uses this fountain. Okay, you have a glass of fresh water and a glass of salty water, right? And you pour together in one glass. What do you taste? Well, you're still going to have taste, uh, a, a taste of salt there, no matter what. Um, salty water. It's, it's not fresh water in the glass. It's salty water because that's what affects. That's what, what comes in there. And he's saying, if a person professes to love the Lord and worship the Lord, yet out of that fountain of his mouth spews forth bitterness that tears down someone else, he says that ought not to be. All the capacity that we had as a natural man now should not be that way. You are a new person. And he's writing to Christians here. Fresh water, bitter water. You can't have one fountain sending out sweet and bitter water. It's one or the other, right? And now he uses three of the most basic fruits that's in that area uh, of Israel there. And so we have the fountain. Now now we go to uh, some fruits, figs, olives, grapes. Boy, that pretty well stood for Israel. God had blessed them with fig trees, right? He had blessed them with olive trees. You know, the olive oil, boy, they really produced that. And then the grapes. God had given all those three which were very valuable to their health, for their way of life, for their living. It wasn't just for uh, eating and drinking. It was for many things that they used. It involved their whole life. And that's what they produced. Fig trees. Vine, fountain, the olives. James is just laying down one picture after another, everything that they would have known. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Verse 12, can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives? No, of course not. What's a fig tree going to produce? Figs. Is an olive tree going to produce figs? No, it's going to be olives. Does the grapevine produce figs? No, it produces what? Grapes. So only one's going to come out of there, no matter what. And salt water is not going to produce fresh. Out of the ocean, you're not going to get fresh water. You can't drink it. So it's a truism. And he uses all these things and he still uses illustration. He says, if you've been transformed by Jesus Christ, your speech has now the good source. Your speech now comes from the fountain of life rather than the bitter fountain of death. Hell. Wow. Believers will reveal themselves in what they speak. James is saying, when the tongue is good, there is nothing better. And when the tongue is bad, there is nothing worse. So we ask, what does our tongues, what do our tongues reveal about our heart? There is nothing better than praising God. 
That's the ultimate. That's, right. That's what he's given this for. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your instruction through James. It's rather sober because we all know we, we battle there. We know that. James knew that. James battled with it. And every Christian down through the history of the church, down through the history of Israel, all the way back to Adam and Eve, when sin struck, the tongue was tainted. Lord, though, we know that it can be tamed by you, only you, and it's because of Christ who lives in us that we can have a tamed, controlled tongue all the time. Lord, help us to seek that more and more, for it will glorify you. And that is what this is all about. In Jesus' name, amen.